Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Separation is in the Preparation podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Tremaine Isabel. Tremaine, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm solid. I'm solid. I'm really excited that you could come on and join us. Uh, so to start, could we have you sort of just introduce yourself a little bit to the listener and then uh, kind of share a little bit about your current role? Uh, yeah, I'm Tremaine Isabel uh, from Seattle, Washington. Uh, grew up, went to high school with Wallace Lapsley. Uh, was always a fan, uh, not just of his athletic abilities, but he has the most athletic walk I've ever seen. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I'm just uh, an athlete, a nerd, a, uh, a shoe uh, connoisseur, food connoisseur, and uh, just trying to find my way. <laughs> right on, bro. And and where are you talking to us currently from? I'm currently in Zagreb, uh, Croatia. Wow. Okay. So I think a cool, a cool, really cool place to start would it be if like you can kind of walk us through. I know you've had a, a lot of sort of stops along the way, like hoops wise, mm-hmm. at least like kind of how you navigated from, let's say like from the end of high school through college uh, to where you're at now. Okay. I mean, this is, this, it's a lot. I've been a lot. Yeah, of- no, bro. As get it, get down to the in-depth stuff. I think that's what people are really interested about. Okay, cool. So uh, I uh, was committed to Washington state university as a sophomore, the beginning of my sophomore year in high school uh, while I was at Lakeside and uh, they were the second school to offer me. The first one was Seattle U and then the second was Washington state. Uh, they offered me with the intent of me doing a fifth year of high school because they didn't think I was physically ready and or good enough to play uh, power five basketball. Interesting. Uh, And me being, uh, you know, unaware of how the recruiting process works and really just my, my, I guess, not my, not my worth, but I'm, I'm a lot more, uh, I don't know, tentative to, to really think I'm this good or that good. I was just so happy that these college coaches were calling me. Right, and, right. Uh, unlike a lot of people, you know, my parents didn't play sports. You know, like I don't, I'm the old, I'm not, I don't have an older sibling or anything. So I was kind of navigating the process myself and not because I had to, but uh, my family really didn't want me to feel like they were controlling it for me. Mm-hmm. And there's positives and negatives in that, you know. Right, right. Uh, the negative was I committed to a college as a sophomore, which is very weird and rare, unless it's like a Duke or something. It's early. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, comm- I was going to Pullman since my sophomore year and uh, my end of my senior year, uh, the coach gets fired that I committed to. And when he got fired, I, uh, I opened up my recruitment <clears throat> and lo and behold, all these colleges that, you know, I'd, dreamed of going to like I still really wasn't aware of like you know how much buzz my name had or you know where I ranked up against other guys in the country but because I had been committed for so long but as soon as I you know announced I was uh you know opening up my recruitment all these universities called that you know I would watch on tv all the time you know just being from Seattle you know I have no idea what uh Providence University or uh University of Missouri or Florida, mm-hmm. I mean, just go down the line, all these, Auburn, call, you know, like, 
it was just so many schools at once that just called me and it was very overwhelming and I had to figure it out in eight weeks, I think it was. Wow. And uh, long story short, I was going to take my first visit to Providence, but Mizzou was very uh, hung up about me going there first. They really wanted me to go there first. And uh, I was very, uh, I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to go to Providence first. There's a coach there named by Coach Blaney. He would call me every day and just check up on me. Uh, but somehow they convinced us to do to go to Mizzou first. And they said, you know, ge- geographically, you know, like you just come to Missouri first and then go East Coast and just go home. <laughs> it was like, oh, maybe that does make sense. So uh, I get to Mizzou and it's like nothing I've ever seen before. You know, like I think I'm going to say I'm from Seattle a lot in this interview. <laughs> like, University of Washington is not a huge campus, you know, like heck ed or not heck ed. Alaska, Re- Alaska Airlines Arena is not like a crazy big arena. I mean, and that's what I was used to. And right. then you go to Pullman and that's a decent size, but you go to like these SEC schools, you know, LSUs, these Auburns, and it's like insane. It's, it's hard to fathom like how big these campuses are, like how uh, top notch their facilities are. So I was just blown away from the get-go. And ultimately, they pretty much just told me everything I wanted to hear, blue smoke, and ultimately was just lying to me the whole time. <laughs> just told me that wow. they were going to like, uh, you know, they, were, they, were, they, they couldn't sleep. They really wanted me to come there. Uh, they, uh, they were going to put me up on billboards, and I was going to be like one and done, two and done type of guy, like, uh, and that's what they were feeding me as soon as we, as soon as we landed. And wow. mind you, it was just me and my mom on the trip. Yeah. And uh, my mom has no, nothing. She has no idea, you know, you know about anything basketball related. Really, she just loves her son, and that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, so they're telling us all these good things, and then they put us in a room. So I'm there for like two days, three days, and it's you know the best of the best. You know, we're eating at these nice restaurants. They're, you know, first class this, first class that, where I'm hanging out with the team. We're going out to like the clubs, the bars. Everyone knows me already, like regular students. It's like, oh my God, we're so happy you're on your visit. It's literally like a movie, literally. Wow, wow. So I had so much fun, but I wasn't gonna commit. But on the last day, they, they bring it, they bring it before my flight, they bring us into the room and they're like, they sit us down and they're like, okay, so how'd you like to visit? We're like, oh, loved it this is amazing like best time of my life like wow like i never seen a university like this all the things i just told you and they're like okay perfect like we need to commit a commit from you right now if you don't commit right now then we're gonna go get somebody else and then wow. it's like it just felt like i don't know like not my heart dropped but it was just like i have to decide like this second like yeah. that wasn't the plan we didn't agree on this like, yeah like, so me and my mom, like I told you, my mom's not aware how the recruiting process works either. Now she's even stressed out. This is a mother. She's like, oh, I love it here. You better go here. Right. Like we, I think we get like five minutes to talk to ourselves. It's like, no, you're going here. I'm like, I don't know, mom. Like we haven't made a promise. We should go visit these other schools, Arizona State, Providence. And uh, she's like, no, you're going here. So ended up committing there blindly. And wow. ultimately it was, it was just a very uh, tumultuous situation. Not only just basketball wise, but just like, you know, socially, you know, the stuff we're talking about, even to, to this day, 
I mean, I was like, you know, seeing firsthand and was that 2014 and coming from Seattle, you like, it was just very, uh, I mean, yeah. Culturally, I, just, I imagine moving from the Pacific Northwest to Missouri, it's just like night and day. Right. <laughs> literally, literally. Um, but it taught me a lot of lessons, man. It taught me a lot about um, how much uh, – it taught me how much I actually enjoy, you know, waking up and working on my game and just, you know, chasing this dream that I've been dreaming since I was, you know, four years old. Because there was a lot of times that I just wanted to quit, you know. Like, I just was not having fun. I just couldn't really find reasons. Like, you know, I would walk in the arena and just feel like, you know, like, why am I here? You know, like, uh, this is not what I, you know, this is not what I signed up for. It's like yeah. you're going to a job. They're like, hey, Wallace, like, you're going to be the, uh, the CFO. You get there and you're the door guy. Right. Wow. <laughs> so it was really that, really, really that different from what they pitched to you versus like how it manifested in reality. Exactly. Wow. And as a kid, you know, I'm only 19 or whatever, 18. Right. And I'm just supposed to just take that on the chin and deal with it, you know, and figure it out and, you know, don't complain and whatever. And uh, that's easy to say. But then again, I'm at this power five school. We're on ESPN every day. All my friends are asking me like, bro, like, why are you only playing 15 minutes? Like, what's going on? What's going on? My family's asking the same thing. So not only are you frustrated, but you're kind of embarrassed. And I mean, there's just a lot of different emotions right. going on. Right. Um, especially when you put so much into it to not be, you know, compensated for the work, whether it's, I mean, obviously it's not uh, financially, but just compensated, just, you know, emotionally and just like confidence wise. And it was just very down two years for me. Yeah. So, I left wow. and went to Drexel and when okay. I left to Drexel, it was, uh, it wasn't like all, you know, peaches and cream. It was very small school, a lot, almost the opposite of, uh, Mizzou. Uh, but it's in the heart of Philadelphia. So I was able to like, you know, I wasn't, if, if basketball wasn't going so well, I could go to an Eagles game or I could go to the Sixers game. I could, you know, I could have fun. I can enjoy the city. At Mizzou, it was like you were on a college campus, you know, with everything that everywhere you walked was, you know, University of Missouri. So there was really no yeah. escape. What's that? Uh, the town of Columbia, right? Is it Columbia, Missouri? Yeah, Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, beautiful college, though. Like, I would tell people to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, when you're in a college town and the reason why you're there isn't, you know, happening, it's not very fun. It gets hard. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Drexel was Drexel was great for me because I got a redshirt year where I could like stay in the gym. I was always in the gym, sh shooting a thousand shots on the shoot on the shooting machine, uh, just playing like open gym every day with like you know regular rec guys. But you know that's just that's like a, a time time like own your skills. You know like uh, kind of like practice certain things like you might not want to pull yeah. out like. And for you, it seems like really get back to like enjoying basketball after a time exactly. where it had become like almost a chore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's 100% true. Uh, so, yeah, Drexel was good for me. Um, 
mentally and just like uh, it was good for me. Um, like you said, just my confidence was coming back and I could just, you know, I was getting excited to, 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 to play again. And I knew I was going to have a, a role that I enjoyed and I knew, you know, like I knew where I stood and uh, lo and behold, uh, my redshirt year is over and now it's the year that I'm about to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, I like made, uh, you know, honor rolls and stuff. Like I think I, you know, whatever GPA, I had great GPA, but uh, the, uh, the, my debuts coming up the day, my uh, first game, my coaches came from army universities, not like a very strict guy, but he's very like by the book kind of guy. Discipline for and, sure. And uh, coach Spiker, he actually just texted me yesterday and uh, so it's my debut and, I uh, I got an A in this class. I think it's like an elective, not very important. I, I don't really remember exactly what class it, it was, but I skipped it the day of the game just because I was like trying to get my mind right. You know, it's like, right, I think it was right. a couple hours before the game or before I had to be at the arena. And Drexel was a small school, very, you know, it's an academic school. So word got back to him. It was like, Tremaine missed, Tremaine missed class. He never missed class. Where was he? And, uh, yeah, my coach was like, "Yeah, as well, you missed class, so you have to sit. The, you have to sit the first half of this game." Wow! On my debut, after <laughs> waiting practice. a year of redshirting, <laughs> exactly. So that was like a way to start the season. Yeah, but, e- emotionally exhausting right from the go. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. I I just feel like. Uh, there's, there's always like all these like random bumps in the road for definitely for, me, for everyone, I'm sure. But uh, obviously I'm only playing my story mode right now. So, I mean, there's all these like small little things that, you know, I feel like this is why we're talking that people really don't know about, like know what's going on. 100%, 100%. And one thing like I want to touch on before you go on is you talked a couple of times about not only managing your own expectations versus like balancing what people are telling you versus what you expect versus what actually happens, but then managing the expectations of those people around you. Right. Like I imagine as your name grew in notoriety, when you opened up your recruiting, you're not, Mm -hmm. it's not just college coaches who are recognizing that it's your friends, your family, people around you, people who maybe weren't that close to you, but all of a sudden they want to kind of like cuddle up to you and be buddy, buddy. And then being in the situation where, it didn't manifest the way that you were essentially promised that it would. Mm-hmm. How, I'm curious, like how did you kind of learn to manage your emotions while also like managing like the emotional toll that it takes that you've got all these people who are expecting you to whatever, play 38 minutes a game and score 25 and have whatever, eight rebounds, 10 assists. Like I'm curious, like as you move through that process, did you sort of develop some strategies for, for managing that? I definitely developed some strategies. I feel like, one of the biggest strategies I developed was just like remembering. It's funny. I always tell the story. Like, you know, I'm sure we, I'm sure you have some stories that you always, you know, just tell. I've got some go-tos. Yeah. Keep in the back pocket for sure. One of my go-to stories is uh, I remember we're at Lakeside and uh, I won't do any like name dropping, but we had a big game. We had this big game. I think it was my sophomore year or something. Like before we were in, we had this big game to me or to the team. 
and I'm at the lunch table. I'm asking about people like, hey, like, are you coming to the game? Like, are you coming to the game? And uh, th- this this girl who came to our school her uh, freshman year, uh, she was like, like, what game? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you, you, you didn't hear about the game? She was like, nah, like, I have, uh, I forget what she said she had to do or whatever. Right. From at that very moment, which had never happened to me, which is kind of crazy, I guess. But I realized, like, not everybody even cares about, like, what you have going on. Like, everyone's living their own lives. Uh, yeah, so I realized, like, everyone, you know, it's, like, living different lives. No, Not everyone cares about what you have going on, you know, like. Not that I'm not saying I was ever important, but like people have more important things to worry about than yeah. what Wallace yeah. is going through, what Tremaine's going through. That's a great point. So, so uh, as embarrassing or as high as you might be, whatever it is, like some people don't even, you know, some people don't even care and they could be right next to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, that's when I was in college, I started to kind of realize that because at Mizzou, uh, I was starting to get like, you know, less, uh, obviously I wasn't getting like the, like um, as much people cuddling next to me. And like you said, and whatnot, right. Right. But, uh, at Drexel, when I started playing, well, the people that kind of disappeared all of a sudden were like, Hey, like, Oh, you're doing so well. Like, can I come to a game? Uh, like how's Philly? Like, I really want to come to the city or, you know, like now hitting me up all the time. And all then of a sudden. Kind yeah. Of, like start to make sense a little bit but uh i don't really worry about that anymore now i think i've kind of found uh i don't know i, I, I guess it's maturity you know <laughs> like you know as a as a young man you kind of like i say you try to think the world re- revolves around you and like everyone's kind of paying attention to you and it's kind of insecurity as well but now like, i'm kind of at the point where like you know i just give it my all and let the chips fall where they may. That's a, I think that's the best way to, best way to approach things. And I appreciate like your honesty because I think like everyone, especially like a young male athlete or someone with an athletic identity, has experienced this. The world revolves around me. I'm the center of the universe. I'm sort of curating. <laughs> like I, I mean, I can think back to myself. Like I found myself in high school, like curating like what I wore or like how I act or like what I <laughs> who I sat with because I thought all these people are watching me. And like maybe people just notice you in passing, but you're totally right. Like at the end of the day, everyone has other stuff going on that you just are like maybe a medium, if not just tiny small blip on their radar. And some of it and some of it is probably more important what you're talking about too. You know, like like I said, like, you know, we're in the hallways with whoever, like these guys are like, you know, talking about spaceships and like dudes is working at NASA, and, like it's doing crazy. all these like yeah. amazing things. Yeah. But obviously, you know, they're not on ESPN or whatever. Like there's no like, you know, a bunch of uh, fanfare for that. But that is amazing. You know, like that, that kind of opened my mind like you know basketball players are cool like that's cool but i mean there's people out here like really like making a difference in so many different ways like it's not it's not all that yeah no i mean i think you said it you said it really well like there's so many different paths and so many different ways to to kind of make your mark on it and that's kind of the one of the big motivations for me to start in this podcast right is to get a sense of in all the different kind of walks of life how are the ways that people 
people prepare themselves. Um, so to kind of circle back to yours, your story, like you're at Drexel, you finish your first, you, you're kind of finishing your first year. And I know that it went like really well for you. And then when did the opportunity to either decide to stay at Drexel or to move on? It's kind of uh, starting like appearing to you. So basically I was playing really well. Like my stats were very good in comparison to everyone in the country. And, but my team wasn't winning. We dropped so many like little, like so many like close games. And mm-hmm. uh, I was graduating that, uh, you know, that May or whatever, June. And uh, like to put it in perspective, like we had <laughs> one of the coolest memories I have in college is we had the biggest uh, uh, comeback in NCAA history. It was against Delaware University. <laughs> we were down 35 points to Delaware University. Holy smokes. <laughs> we were down 35 in the second half, I think. We were down 35 and came back and won. Like, like we just uh, – we had so much talent, but sometimes – I mean, it was never – we weren't always down. Like, we weren't always – we were never down that much. But that was just, like, a, a game that I always right. talk about because – we clearly had the talent. We just someday some guys would like would be sleep and whatnot. Mid majors, mid majors is a tough job to play at and coach at because you know some guys are just happy to be D one. Like some guys mm-hmm. don't really take it very serious, and it's it's not. It's kind of like a, a chore, you know, like kind of like how I was feeling at Mizzou, but right, whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, I graduated and you know in college sports. You know, you can fifth year uh, at another Division One college without uh, having to sit out again. Mm-hmm. So that's very attractive to you know coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really wanted to get to the NCAA tournament, and I really was just tired of losing. I, I hadn't won yet in my college career. You know, I did two years in Mizzou, then a year at Drexel, and you know I hadn't won. So. I just wanted to experience that for one year, whether or not I was going to score 20 points a game or whatever. I just really wanted to maybe see what the NCAA tournament felt like, just see what winning felt like and uh, and look like. And, uh, you know, I started getting recruited by all these universities, Louisville, Seton Hall, uh, Arizona State again, uh, Xavier, I took a visit there, took a visit to Seton Hall, and I chose St. Louis, one, to kind of get back at Mizzou a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Oh, a little regional proximity, nice, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Exactly, a a little bit, a little bit in the back of my head, but uh, the coach there was an ex-player, he played at Kentucky, Uh, very successful uh, coach, and it was literally the opposite experience that I had at University of Missouri. Uh, everything that he told me happened, good and bad. Like, he told me I wasn't really going to, like, be very, very good in his system until, like, late in the season, and he was exactly right. I mean, I was decent for, you know, the first 60% of the, 65% of the uh, season, and then the last 35% of the season, I just, like, tore it up, and everyone was kind of like, like uh like in not in awe but just like surprised except for him because that's what he told me he runs like a a weird uh he has like these different concepts and uh 
a guy like me who's an overthinker and I'm just like a perfectionist, it's hard for me to like uh, be in systems where I don't know the ins and outs of it. Right. You know, like if I, if I don't know everything that's happening, it's like, I just don't function, <laughs> you know, like and some guys can just go into stuff blindly and just do their thing. I can't do that. I have to like really sit down, study and uh, figure it out because I'm not the most athletic guy. I'm not the strongest guy. I don't jump the highest, but uh, one thing I do have, I mean, like my IQ basketball wise and, uh, and that's been, that it was actually, uh, this was, this was brought to my attention by my coaches and, uh, you know, I, I definitely believe in that. Like, I think I just see the game kind of a step ahead more so than, you know, my athletic ability. Cause I'm, you know, I had constructive surgery on my ankle. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. When, yeah, I, yeah. When, I was, when I was walking around with a huge cast and stuff, like I don't jump very fast. I'm not very, I mean, I don't jump very high. I'm not very fast, but I, uh, I kind of like play the game within the game, you know? So uh, I kind of had success later on in the, in, in the year. And uh, we reached the SA tournament and those are some, uh, some memories I'll never forget. That was like a great time in my life. Yeah. What stands out to me from that is like how much the honesty from the St. Louis head coach was the mm -hmm. best possible thing for you, even though he was being honest about the first 60% of the season, whatever two thirds mm -hmm. of the season, you're going to struggle. Right. And I think like to compare that with what you heard from Missouri is like, you're going to come in and be this, this, that, and the other, which is awesome to hear. Right. Everyone likes to hear that thing. But like mm -hmm. the reality is, I think if we can be surround ourselves with honest people who are telling us like the candid truth of what's what's going to happen or what they see, and then be honest with ourselves about how we feel about that and how we feel about approaching the challenge or lack thereof, then I think it sort mm -hmm. of puts you in a position like you found yourself in, where after you kind of put in the work and mastered where you were, then all of a sudden you were able to kind of show out and, and do your thing. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I feel like a that's not a, a very uh, popular thing to do these days. Though I feel like a lot of people kind of want to be surrounded by everyone that's you know telling them their yeah their, uh, you know stuff their stuff doesn't stink you know yeah and that's just not what it is. So from so from St. Louis, you guys had a really successful year, won the conference tournament, made it to the NCAA tournament. Um, so once that kind of journey ended. I'm curious, like, was there a point, did you always have it in your head that you wanted to kind of play basketball as long as you could? Or was it just something that, like, as you got on in your career, it sort of was like, oh, I could keep doing this? Or I guess can, if you kind of kind of walk me through where you were mentally about continuing playing and then, the, and then sort of what transpired after your last game at St. Louis? I, uh, I mean, I've never really said this in public, but who cares? Uh, I like was telling my family, like, I don't, I didn't know if I wanted to continue playing basketball. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily because, uh, you know, I'll, not necessarily, it doesn't have anything to do with talent or just, uh, you know, anything basketball wise. It was all about me always being so far away from home, like traveling and like, you know, my grandpa's getting older, my brother, my sister, my siblings are getting older, my grandma's getting, you know, like time 
doesn't stop, you know, even though I'm like you know, yeah. in all these different spots and uh, it just gets kind of like, uh, it's tiring, like always hearing everything like secondhand, you know, like it could be the smallest thing, you know, like, right. I don't know, someone got married or someone got engaged or uh, whatever, but just not ever being there to like witness anything or celebrate anything. It's kind of just like, you know, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a, it's, a, it's something people really don't talk about, you know, uh, about with about athletes always being away from home. You know, it's a uh, not only is it kind of lonely. You find friend, you know, you find friends and your teammates and coaching staff, but you know, there's nothing like being at home. You know, absolutely. No, I think like y- you hit the nail on the head there. There's an emotional sacrifice that is totally overlooked, right? I mean, I think to play a game and have that be your profession awesome right and i think nobody takes that for granted or maybe a few people do but i think most people don't and I, and I know that you don't but like i think the viewer the fan takes for granted that athletes sacrifice time with their family time with their loved ones time just with themselves right um so it's really refreshing to kind of sort of hear you say like hear you be honest about that no for sure so from st louis i guess before you kind of prepare to head abroad i know you had an an opportunity in the in the NBA Summer League. So can you just, I guess, mo- I know most people have heard about it, but can you just talk a little bit about that opportunity and were, were there specific things that you kind of pr- prepared yourself for going into that then um, or ways that you altered your preparation based on like how you prepped in college and stuff like that or not really? That, that was an amazing experience, man. It was like uh, that level of basketball is like, a dream come true for like a guy like me. And that's still my dream. Like I, I want to get there, you know, the money and you know, the fame, notoriety, all that stuff is cool. But it's like, I really love the, 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 you know, the, the small details of basketball. I love being mm-hmm. in uh, around people who, you know, understand basketball at the highest levels. And I think that's another reason why like Mizzou was hard for me, you know, like Drexel, I wanted to get away from Drexel, nothing against them, you know, but I just felt like, you know, at St. Louis, this was a guy, like I said, I mean, if you look at what he's done, he's very successful guy and he, uh, and there's reason for it. Yeah. Uh, With the Clippers. I mean, I mean, Doc Rivers is there. I mean, Jerry West is, you know, the GM, I mean, these are like basketball gods. Royalty, yeah. Say no more. I mean, just those two names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. So just being around them and listening to how Doc, uh, like, for example, uh, Summer League's taught by, like, the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Doc sits on the sideline and kind of, like, evaluates the coaches and whatnot. Uh, he, Jerry West, uh, Steve Ballmer, uh there's some other, uh, you know, I forget the other. Uh, some other front office whatever. staff and stuff like that. Yeah, front office staff. Yeah, they all they all sit on the sidelines, kind of evaluate how they're doing. And um, we were trying to get this play down for about 20 minutes, and we just couldn't get it. Like we couldn't get the timing right. You know, someone would mess up here, someone would mess up there. Doc Rivers has this like weird walk. He like limped onto the floor, and was like, he has his raspy voice. Yeah. Well, I can't even do his voice. 
you know, just have a couple cuss words in there. What the, you know, what the, are you guys doing? You know, it's really not that hard. It's not that hard. You do this, you do this, and you do this. In four minutes max, we were like, we were on it. And it was, it, it was, it was just a different way of explaining it and a different way of yeah. getting guys to, uh, you know, ultimately do what you want. But sometimes you, you know, like you keep banging your head against the wall. The first guy kept saying it the same way. Just do this. Just do this. Dot comes and kind of, you know, uses some a different analogy. And, and now and now it's working. So it was cool to see uh, a NBA championship head coach at work. Yeah. And, uh, just, you know, his job, his profession and why he's, you know, who he is. You know, like he it's a great coach. So uh, being in that environment was amazing. So I had to, uh, you know, I had to focus on everything, focus on my diet, focus on my sleep, focus on just being on my P's and Q's uh, Mm -hmm. because I knew, you know, obviously I'm I'm not on the total outside looking in, but ultimately I am on the outside looking. I'm just looking for opportunity to, you know, maybe someone really likes me. Who knows what what could happen, you know? you know, you can make connections for, for later or whatever. So I was just, I just was focused on making a great impression. And I was, I was happy with the way uh, it, it played out, you know, I made some connections with, you know, players, coaches, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, who knows what could happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's, it's amazing. Like the more time you spend in, in really just in life in general, it's crazy how much things are just like relationship based and like who, you know, or like, did you rub somebody the right way or the wrong way when you met them and stuff like that? And it's, it can be overwhelming. I think at times, like, especially in an environment like that, right. You're, you're trying to be on your P's and Q's trying to put your best foot forward. You're trying to make a good impression. But I think like one thing that you mentioned about earlier, when you sort of stop worrying about, whatever else was going on externally. It's just like, you kind of just have to be you at the end of the day. And if they like you, they like you. And if not, they don't. And I think one thing that's hard for me is like, not everybody's going to like you. Even if you try to be really nice and a a good person and honest and stuff like that, not everyone will like you. No, for sure. I think uh, from the Clippers, I went to uh, Belgium. Uh, I signed a deal in uh, Antwerp, Belgium. And uh, it was amazing, man. I loved Belgium. It was beautiful. Uh, my rookie year, I signed a you know big contract and uh, free car, huge house. Like I was living great. Wow. Uh, pulled my pulled my hamstring, uh, which I had dealt with early in my fifth year of college, but it recovered. It I recovered from it, and then uh, did it again when I got over there. So that was very uh, tough to deal with. If anyone knows anything about hamstrings, I'm sure that they can attest to that. Um, Pull my hamstring. They, you know, really wanted me to come back, you know, uh, wanted me to earn my paycheck. Was like coming back and would tweak it here, tweak it there. And ultimately was just playing hurt, you know? Right. And uh, not only was I playing hurt, but it's my first time in Europe. I had never left America before, before. Uh, before this job opportunity. And, uh, yeah, we ended up losing, like, six straight games. And if you know anything about European sports, I mean, I mean, losing games is like – It's cutthroat. There's not a lot of patience. Yeah. 
Do not lose games. If you ever go to Europe, losing games is like not the thing to do if you want a long career. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was a rookie dealing with a hamstring that lost six straight games. Uh, and they uh, told me I was like, uh, I'm, I'm very like, uh, I'm an introvert. You know, I don't really talk very much unless I'm spoken to or unless I feel comfortable. Right. And uh, they weren't really uh, excited about that uh, personality trait, you know, so mm. they decided that they would uh, give me a service package and send me back to America and uh, good luck, ultimately. Wow. So that was like very depressing, you know, because I really liked it there. I was playing well. I was playing really well, uh, which was a surprise to me because we were playing, you know, top tier talent, you know, like I'm playing ex- NBA guys and like uh, you're you're a Sonics fan. Yeah, yeah. You remember Michael Jellable or I don't know how to pronounce his last name. His yeah, name? I think that rings a bell yeah. with the yeah with the hair yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Played against that guy and wow. he's from France. He plays he plays on this French team. We played against like Tony Parker. We played against tons of guys, man. Uh, uh, and I held my own, but we didn't win. And I'm a rookie point guard, so. Uh, it just didn't go my way. It wasn't the best luck and uh, sent me on my way. <laughs> so, wow. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Cutthroat, man. So I was back in Seattle, uh, kind of in hiding, you know, I was kind of embarrassed again, kind of embarrassed because all my friends and stuff were like, why are you home? Like, weren't you just, like, uh, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> don't really, yeah. Don't really want to talk about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so here I am. I mean, <laughs> yeah, crazy, man. And I think like, I guess between that opportunity and where you are now, as we kind of get more into like the preparation aspect of it, like I imagine certainly during like the time uh, during quarantine and stuff that you're in Seattle, there's not like a set date for you to like leave you there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that so how did you kind of manage that both physically right because it's difficult to periodize your sort of physical preparation if you don't know when you need to be ready for and then also mm-hmm. like mentally being like i could be leaving in two weeks in two months in four months so can you kind of walk me through that process i had to get creative well this might not be creative for other people but i feel like uh most basketball players are very like you kind of have your set places where you work out, you know, mm-hmm. like I've always worked out at, you know, just a few gyms in Seattle. I mean, I, I've never really been the guy. You would never catch me like on a run in your neighborhood. Like, I feel like you don't really see like, you know, football players or basketball players really going on like jogs and stuff like that. But during quarantine, I mean, there were no gyms open. So I'm like, you know, my cardio is terrible. I don't, I could leave in a week. I could leave in a month. I'm out of shape. I'm overweight. I got to figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. So I started running around the neighborhood, backyard workouts, sit-ups, push-ups, you know, really just figuring it out. <laughs> uh, going to the uh, the park and playing basketball with like, uh, you know, regular people. And that was very dangerous. So I had to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Because because for some reason, when I'm in Seattle, everyone just wants to play super hard against me. And 
I don't got time. I don't, I don't really Yeah, no, she, yeah, for sure. I think like Seattle basketball, if you're there's, I think Seattle has a really underrated basketball culture. Number one, just across the country. And then number two, like if you're somebody who's had a lot of notoriety in Seattle and the basketball culture, like you do, you're going to get everybody's 110% for sure. Oh, if yeah. it's at any Elbows. park or anything like Exactly. I knew yeah. it, I knew it was a bad one. This dude like uh, intentional fouled me on the outside court, pushed me into the pole. I'm like, come on, dude. like I'm I'm too number one. I'm too old for this. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't I don't need to s- scrape up my elbow on the outside basketball court. Right Not now. worth it. But uh, yeah, man. So I had to get creative uh, and really just kind of refocus myself and humble myself. You know, like. I guess, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to say people are, are too ar- arrogant or cocky or whatever to like do these things, like go play basketball at a park or whatever. But at some point when you're used to playing in these nice facility gyms and it's kind of like the the norm for, you know, like, yeah, it's, I, I just like the way the ba- ball bounces. I like the way the ball sounds like this is, you know, this is like my profession, Yeah, but it just takes all that away like mm-hmm. you know, now you're back to chain nets you know? yeah chain nets concrete <laughs> concrete and uh getting splinters in your fingers you know like i hadn't felt things like that since i was like 13 or like, yeah you know whatever so uh it was very humbling and it, it made me kind of like fall back in love with the uh the preparation of it you know just like this is that's like where i started you know that's what i taught used to you know work out and you know own my skills but you know as time goes on you kind of start to get away from 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 those things yeah so i'm curious now like in your current situation that you've been able to move yourself from being at home with limited resources to now a professional environment do you have a pretty set like pre-practice and post-practice routine whatever that's like body work you do or shooting routine strength work and stuff like that can you talk a little bit about that yeah, I uh, I do this uh, a thing called the rebar. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in Seattle know about it. It's a uh, it's a device where it helps stretch stretches out stretches out my hips. But a lot of people use it for different different things. I, I like to use that because it uh, engages my core and it ultimately feels like a quick warm up. I could do like a if I use the rebar for like 15 minutes, it feels like a like a 45 minute like workout okay so I, I enjoy doing that before uh before playing um i also just listen to like a lot of a lot of music you know you spend a lot of time in your head in europe so i'm finding like different uh different music and you know right now i'm in my like 70s like slow jam vibe you know okay wow you're you're I- going you're going far back yeah no <laughs> next week i might be in my uh who knows? My, my Drake. Who knows? Uh, but uh, yeah, you spend a lot of time in your head, so I just find different, uh, different, uh, different music I like. TV shows. Designate, Designated Survivor is a great show. You should watch it on Netflix. Okay. Uh, just finished it. Uh, but yeah, man, I just, I just try to, uh, you know, just chill, relax, keep, 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 uh, keep my mind. Uh, from spinning because if I just sit here for too long, like I would just start like trying to 
figure out like my next move you know like yeah. I'm, I'm very like adhd <laughs> i'm very like much trying to like figure out i don't know like where i'm going to be in five years okay right how am yeah, i going to yeah. get there? this is what i do so I, I, I try to keep my mind uh you know on different things yeah no that's a really interesting point i think like Anybody who's experienced a high level of success in anything to the extent that you have, you have to be goal oriented. You have to be a planner, right? You can't just show up every day and just be like, okay, what am I going to do? No, you have to be regimented and disciplined in your training. But I think it's an interesting kind of tipping point, right? That you kind of find yourself at some time where like, I want to be prepared for the future, but also in the present. Um, mm -hmm. I have been, uh, lately it has been bad though. Like I, like we were texting yesterday when we were talking about doing this, like yeah. I was awake, I was awake just watching film and like, I have not been sleeping lately. I told my coach today, uh, cause he was like, he's happy, you know, whatever, like I'm playing well, et cetera. And, uh, he was like, uh, like, what do you kind of like this? Like, what do you do? I was like, he's like, uh, to be honest, like, I don't even sleep much. I get like three and a half hours of sleep every day, wow. four hours. And, it's literally because of what we're talking about. Like, I just, if I'm not throughout the day, you know, I can put on music, I can move around, but when I'm just sitting still, I'm thinking like, like, I'm like just trying to game plan. Like how can I, you know, make my dreams come true ultimately? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm never, I've never been the type to ever be like satisfied. Like I want to be in the NBA. When I get to the NBA, uh, I want to be a Hall of Famer. You know, when I get, when, I, when I'm done being a Hall of Famer, how can I be the next Phil Jackson? Yeah. Like, you know, like what's yeah, next? Yeah. I don't know. And uh, that's just kind of how, how, how I've always been. And I'm just not satisfied with where I'm at. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would be, you know, for sure. Uh, but I just know I have such a much higher ceiling and I just uh, really want to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think like what I hear you sort of talking about is you've been honest with yourself, right? About what you see yourself doing and like the expectations you set for yourself. So you're really not going to be satisfied until you feel like you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, look, I did literally everything in my power to, to get to where I want to get. But even then, I won't be satisfied. But even then, yeah, <laughs> it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. Yeah, no, that what's next mentalities. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's, it. There's no, to me, to like to hear you say that, I'm not surprised, right? I mean, you've navigated through so much adversity at all these different stops along your way, and then to still have that as your kind of mo, your your mantra, like what's next. I mean, I think like, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see for you what's next. I appreciate that, man. It's it's also funny, like, I mean, you've been around me, so you you kind of know my my personality, et cetera. So, just imagine me like in a room full of people who are speaking whatever language, you know, like yeah, I, I have no idea what anyone's saying all day, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> uh, in some countries, like you have like literally an interpreter like on your hip all day. Which wow, is annoying. I, like I said, like I'm, I'm very much of a introvert. Like I don't really like people right next to me all the time, yeah. talking to me all the time. Like I need my space. 
well, this guy is literally interpreting every single syllable that the coach is saying throughout practice. <laughs> throughout this day. Crazy. And uh, I don't know. You just kind of – I kind of laugh at myself sometimes because it's like, you know, this is – it's an experience and you got to be thankful for it. And for sure. Like you said, sometimes you got to plan, but you also got to live in the moment. So I just try to do uh, a mix of both. Yeah. One thing that I want to touch on, you mentioned, you mentioned your like level of attention to detail and like the way you like to think the game and kind of intellectually process um, opponents and yourself and things like that to like the level you feel like you're comfortable with sharing to the lay person. Can you kind of break down like what you're looking for when you're watching clips of yourself or clips of opponents, whether it's like areas you can exploit things that you can do better and stuff like that. Cause I'm personally just really curious to kind of see how to sort of what goes on in your mind when you're, when you're, when you're looking at stuff like that. Mm-hmm. First off, uh, you know, to the listeners who are listening, like I keep, uh, mentioning Lakeside because Wallace and I went to Lakeside together. So um, at Lakeside, someone actually asked me about this, on, asked me something about Lakeside on Instagram. And I kind of, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to write too much, but this is kind of what I was hinting at. Uh, at Lakeside, you know, obviously academic school, right? But athletically, I was like, uh, Taught, it was also a different world, you know, like than I was used to. The world I was used to was like more, you know, running gun, not much strategy, not much, uh, you know, um, not much rules. It's kind of like whoever gets it goes, shoot the ball, don't shoot the ball, whatever. It's just get it up and down. Yeah. At Lakeside, because, you know, we didn't have as much talent or, you know, we weren't as, uh, as raw talent, let me say, as some of the teams we had to like put, make the, make the, make a game within the game, you know, like we'll win the game. If we get, I don't know, random goals, we'll win the game. If we get four charges, we'll win the game. If we out rebound the other team, we'll, I don't know. We'll win the game. If uh, we get 15 deflections, you know, small, the the, the weirdest, all these like intricacies. And uh, at, when I started to learn that at Lakeside, the game started to kind of slow down for me, because you're not—it's not—you're not only just thinking about points, assist. Now you're starting to see like, okay, how did those happen? You know? Yeah. Uh, counting like things like paint touches. Like, I've noticed I'm way more successful when I t- or teams that I've been on it when I just get in the paint. Whether I scored, whether I assisted, it could be a hockey assist. Whenever you touch the paint. Obviously, I mean, it's, you know, the teams are going to collide. I mean, uh, collapse mm-hmm. on, on the ball. So the opportunity for, you know, something to happen out of that are so much higher. Everyone can't be James Harden where you could dribble on the on the three-point line and just right. shoot. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's Kevin Durant. That's James Harden. Those guys can do things like that. But a guy like me who kind of has to figure out weird, you know, ways to, you know, be successful. Like I have to notice those small details. And when I'm watching film and when I'm watching opponents, I like to see like, how many dribbles does this guy do before he crosses over? Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, why, why do I always like kick my leg out when I shoot on the left side, when on the right side, I don't, 
you know, like weird ways to like uh, just always improve, always kind of expand your game. And I feel like a lot of people do that. I've, you know, been blessed enough to be around great basketball minds. Brandon, Brandon Roy is a, <clears throat> is a very close with them and uh, obviously amazing player, you know, but, you know, as athletes, sometimes guys don't get the credit that they deserve as uh, being like literally like just savant to the game mentally. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, he, he was playing on uh, a knee without any cartilage, <laughs> bone on bone, no meniscus, and was making all-star games. Come on. He was on a different wavelength. Like he was like, he was focused on focused on the smallest details. Yeah. And he's gonna, he's you know gonna he's I mean he's already a great coach, but I hope he becomes a UW coach one day. But we'll 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 see we'll see we'll what see, happens. Yeah. But a uh, great coach, great basketball mind, and just being able to pick his brain throughout the years and see how he watches film and see how he thinks. Like you know, we sit up around and gossip about NBA guys today, and yeah. Uh, it's always it's always interesting to to hear what a guy like that has to say. For sure. And I think I I love what you said there when you feel like whether it's B-Roy or other guys like that who don't get the credit intellectually for the way that they process and um and deal with things cuz literally to have that such a high level of mastery that you can succeed at the level that he did with the physical limitations that he had due to injury like to me that's just the basketball version of being able to solve like complex quadratic equations, right? It's a level of genius, right? And I think it's a really interesting cultural thing that we view genius as it's kept to this sort of smaller section, whether that's academics or even art, right? But I mean, I think to someone like you who appreciates basketball and sports in general, like it's art, right? And to be able to, and then you use the term savant, which I think is um, a really, really good one. Oh, literally. I mean, it's uh, I feel like some people might think they are, they are one of those. But until you're I've been around some like savant savants where it's like, wow, this dude is like on another level, like mentally until like you've been like kind of blown away. I'm sure you maybe you have in soccer. Like he's like, like maybe this dude's talented, but this dude is like always a step ahead. Like he's For like, sure. On, on, on another level and it, it makes me being the competitor I am like I just feel like I have to up my game somehow I got it I got Absolutely. it I got it I got it yeah no it's this really cool balance of trying to like understand these really complex concepts but then being able to simplify them down into something that's actually applicable to whatever situation you're in and like to me that's mastery. That's genius, right? Can I take something that's really complex and make it simple so I can basically make it look easy? Because that's what those guys do, right? You're like, how is he doing this? And he doesn't even like, some of these guys aren't like, they doesn't even look like they're sweating, right? And it's just that right. easy because they've taken something so complex and then been able to execute it and institute it in a really simple way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, like I said, back to Lakeside, I mean, that was that was the moment for me where I was like, you know, breaking things down and the smallest, the smallest, like, I can't really think of specifics, but it would literally, like the game plan would literally be like, at the time when I was first hearing it, I was like, this is so dumb. Like, 
what is this guy talking about? Like, why are we focused on deflections? Yeah. Get a steal. You know, like, <laughs> what are we talking about right now? And then he would literally like count, you know, like literally have like a countdown. Yeah. And the games where we reach those goals, we will win. And I'll be like, oh, oh shit, this is kind of making sense. Yep. And uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like that that same lesson that I learned there is the same lesson I take in everyday life too, you know? I feel like the smallest thing, the smallest things matter, you know, like being a good person. I believe in karma. I believe in uh, just, you know, treating everyone with the same respect that you would treat, uh, I don't know who, who's your idol, but like Michael Michael Jordan for me. Right, right, right. <laughs> Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, but uh, treat, you know, your idol. You know, treat the, the garbage man that way, the, the, the janitor that way. And, uh, yeah, that's just – I feel like that's, those are lessons that, that that I've learned along the years. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I can't say anything more, but just I echo those sentiments. That's the best way to be, right? That's the best way to be. The other thing that I'm curious about, right, you've mentioned a couple times that you've had to deal with injury. And, I'm, and I really want to know is, like, over time, right, if you look back at – as a high schooler, how has your recovery process um, kind of changed and evolved? Because I think recovery is honestly like one of the most important parts of preparation for the next training, the next game, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's changed a lot. Excuse me. Um, It's changed a lot. As a young man, when I was 17, 18, I could play forever. I could, you know, go to practice, then go. We We used to do these things called late night where everyone comes literally at the gym, comes to the gym at like 11 p.m. to like 1 a.m. and just run um, uh, open gym. Uh, I mean, it, it almost amazes me how much basketball we used to play. Like yeah. AAU tournaments, like four games in a day. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they would do that. So I, I never thought about recovery. I never really stretched. I never really did any of those things. Uh the older you get, the more wear and tear and the more you, you have to focus on, like you said, recovery. So, you know, I stretch, I uh, really focused on, you know, I, I invest in, you know, going to uh, physical therapy, physical therapist. Uh, I invest in, you know, going to, uh, you know, go get realigned and, you know, different different things that might give me like an edge up on, on, on the next guy because those small things uh definitely matter for example i had like chronic jumper's knee for literally like maybe like six months but it was during wow. quarantine okay it was during quarantine so i wasn't playing as much so it didn't bother me as much but as soon as i you know got overseas and stuff I was playing well, but I could just, you know, I wasn't myself. I couldn't really move how I wanted to move. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody and they're like, literally like, why don't you just go take care of it? You know? And one is like admitting, it's kind of like admitting you need help, you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Some people, some people are kind of scared. Like, I don't, I almost don't even want to go to the, uh, the MRI, like I had to go get an MRI and stuff. Right. Uh, it was just, like, what if they find something worse? Exactly. <laughs> so I was like scared. Like I was like kind of running from it. Like, I don't know what, what this is, but I just, I know this stuff hurts and I'm not like, going to tell anybody. And 
for finally they was like yo just go check it out and happens to only just be jumper's knee which is very normal and whatever now i'm working with a physical therapist and i feel like 30 percent better already and i've only been working on it for a week maybe week and a half so i feel like that's that's definitely key is just investing in your body if if that's what you you know if that's how you make your living like you gotta treat it for sure yeah, I mean, I think you touched on a really interesting point for an athlete, right? And that's this experience of you rely so much on your body and your mind um, to help you succeed. And then there are these moments, right, where whether it's like a freak incident, like unlucky bounce or just wear and tear that your body like fails you, right? And it's a weird experience because you, your body has been like you your go-to in your back pocket 100% of the time. And now all of a sudden you can't rely on it like you used to before. So I, I really like what you said about investing in yourself, right? Because like just as, I don't know, just as like the best pianist takes care of his hands or whatever it is, like an opera singer takes care of their voice, as athletes, you have to take care of your body. So I think, um, I guess I'm curious, like if you could change or add one thing to your routine that you know now to what you did say, like when you first started playing college basketball, what would it be? And I know one thing could be tough. So if it's a couple, that's cool too. Uh, yeah, I would have a couple things. One would definitely be, one would definitely be uh, sleep. I mean, it's one I'm still working on, obviously. Yeah. But uh, now, as my family knows, I'm just, they call me, okay, I'm, they call me a night owl. I'm always the one up, like, in the refrigerator at weird times, like, 3.30 a.m. They're, like, waking up, like, oh, okay, yeah, it's Tremaine. <laughs> why, did he, why is he dropping his phone or saying, yelling ouch at 4.30 in the morning? <laughs> uh, yeah, so sleep. And then in college, you know, obviously – you're having fun. You're, you're, you're not as, uh, sometimes you can be not as focused as you should be. And I definitely was a victim of that sometimes just, you know, out late at night practice at, you know, pra- college practice, you might have practice at seven in the morning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so college is kind of crazy. College is kind of evil. I was actually thinking about that. We would have like 5am workouts. Why? Why does anyone That's the whole even... day? Why does it have to be a five? <laughs> I think it was literally because they didn't want you going out at night sometimes. But whatever, I think that's funny. But uh, it's crazy because yeah. people still do, even if it's at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it doesn't, my, doesn't, it doesn't my, change anything. That's my point. We get home at three, like, oh, shit. we gotta go. We gotta wake up in two hours. Go to practice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so sleep and then uh, diet. Uh, which I'm still working on to this day as well. Uh, but I'm a lot better than what I used to be, for sure. I, I just love food. I love all types of food. I mean, it's it's my weakness. I I, I gained a lot of weight over quarantine. Thank God I lost it. But uh, I took a picture, and my mom showed it to me. She was like, Jermaine. I was like, what? She's like, look. And I look, I said, oh, is it happening? She's like, it's happening. Oh, no. And then from, from that day on, uh, I was just like fo- focusing on working out and, you know, uh, fo- focusing on my diet more. But man, I love food. Dude. Like, I, I, That's kind of a, a good transition because I know, obviously, like we've talked a ton about basketball and it's really cool to hear the way you, sh- hear you share the way you prepare and think the game 
both from a mental and physical standpoint, but like, again, to the point about athletes not getting enough credit outside of like their physical performance. Can you talk a little bit about other things? Like you mentioned music, you mentioned food, like things that you're passionate like about outside of the game and could maybe see yourself pursuing to a further extent whenever the time comes uh, to stop being a player. Um, I really want to get into app development. I uh, actually have a group working on an app right now that uh, hopefully will be launched here soon. So, like, did you play video games growing up? A little bit. A little bit. So, one of the things that always stuck with me was, like, you know, all these people play video, you know, obviously people play video games. Yeah. But obviously it's considered a waste of time. You know, it's like, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. Like, why are you playing video games? Yeah. And uh, so I thought, like, you know, like, how could we make, you know, the skills that you've ultimately like you know created in playing video games like uh profitable like how can we monetize people's skills so basically what i'm doing is giving people the ability to play like say you like fifa you could you know choose manchester united go on the app and basically say you know like hey i'm wallace i'm really i really am good at fifa i want to wager five bucks or 50 bucks, whatever you want to wager. And it will ping everyone in the app who wants to play FIFA. And maybe you'll play someone from Zagreb, Croatia, who really wants to play with FC Barcelona. Yeah. And you guys both play, you record the match. We can see like who, who wins, who loses the winner gets 90% of the, so we would take 10%. So we take 50 cents out of five bucks. So you will make $4.50. So basically you're, you know, not wasting your time just spending hundreds and hundreds of hours on video games. Like you can actually make some money from, you know, all this time you're putting into it. So I really want to get into app development. I'm very excited about that. I think it, yeah. I think it would be a good thing because, you know, esports is blowing up. I don't know For if you sure. know much about this. Uh, and then not only that, but it's fun. Like I'm enjoying learning a lot about uh the process so just just diving into that has been fun uh really into music i'm really into fashion uh coffee guy uh what else really that's it i'm pretty simple man i don't i don't really i don't really i don't really uh, i like it hey simplicity is the key <laughs> uh this uh this uh this AMC and uh, GameStop thing has been interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Doggy for coin. sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wall Street bets is, is, is pretty funny. I, I, I like I like to keep up with that, making the making the big guys mad. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's been pretty interesting. Definitely. Definitely. Well, shoot, man. I mean, I can't thank you enough, bro. You've given us so much of your time and like your honesty and like willingness to share your experiences, both good and bad. I think the listener is going to, going to get a lot of really good stuff out of this. So, um, yeah, man. I guess the only thing I have left is like, if people ever like have, they have specific questions or they want to maybe just like follow your journey, like check out your app when it comes out, like where's the best way to, for people to reach you or follow you or, or whatever. They should, uh, yeah. They can contact me on any social media platform at Trill main. <laughs> I feel like I'm, kind of getting older so i need might need to change that i have the same uh 
username since I was in like <laughs> sixth grade. <laughs> and I have the same username on every platform. For but, sure. Uh, but for the time being, Ultra Main is where people can find you. Ultra Main is where people can find me. Or they can, uh, uh, my email is tisabel00 at gmail. Cool. Uh, pretty easy to get in touch with, you know, whatever awesome. questions anyone had. Uh, I'm all open ears. That's great, man. Wow. Again, Tremaine, man, thank you so, so much, bro. This has been, uh, this has been really, really great. No, for sure, bro. Anytime, bro. Like I'm, I really am excited to see like the content you, uh, you bring us, you know, like I'll be tuned in into all the sessions. Like I, I really, I didn't say that I enjoy the podcast. So I'm very excited to see what you, you know, have for us. Right on. Well, this interview is going to be tough to top, but um, I'll do my best to keep delivering, delivering some good content. Right on, Tremaine. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Separation is in the Preparation podcast. If you liked it, please do your best to share it with someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. As always, you can reach us on Instagram at the Sep is in the Prep. Or if you'd like to contact me directly, I can be found on all social media platforms under the username at Wallapse11. Thanks and take care.